You know, last week we started talking about good news. Um, in our culture, in our world, it's easy to find and pick out bad news. It's easy to find, and uh, we, we want you to know there's some good news. In the middle of all that we face, there's always some good news. And we're going to talk about that. Last week we started by, by talking about good news, talking about peace. And this is what we said last week. We said, if you know God, you're going to know peace. But if there's no God in your life, there is no peace. And the reason is we believe that God created everything. He created all heavens and the earth. He created the world. And so as the maker and creator, he's, he made us to live a certain way that we function the best at. And so when we know God and we know his ways, we understand how things work. In fact, this word peace, is, it's, it's, it's loaded. It, it can mean a lot of things from health to wholeness uh, to, to something that's not missing or broken. There's just peace. It's a great word. And so we said that, that if you know God, you're going to know peace. And um, the, way, the reason this is so relevant, we talked about that in, in uh, Jesus' day, they were under the rule of the Roman government. All right? So the Roman government, they ruled from India all the way to England. And that was the, pretty much the known world. They, had, they conquered every village and territory there. Anybody that resisted, and then they had to always put out these fires. You know, these, these, these countries and these people, tribes would resist. And they would come in and they would squash them and tell them, hey, either be part of the Romans and, and worship Caesar or you die. And so... Jesus was born into this period of, of time where his people, the Jewish nation, was under the oppression of the Roman government. And so we said that um, anywhere from um, 95% of the people there didn't even know where their next meal was going to come from. So very, very poor. And one of the reasons is because they, some believed that the taxes that they got taxed were anywhere from 80 to 90% of their income was taxed. So these people were living on very little, and they had a, this nation that was powerful hovering over them and saying, hey, if you try to do anything that we don't like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kill you. We're going to take you out. So they lived under this constant pressure of, of having to submit to a, a, a king who really thought he was God. And, and, and if we know, you know the scriptural testament, God told the people of Israel, don't worship any other gods. So they had this pressure of, well, we can't worship him. And, and by not worship him, it causes more problems. And so, in fact, there was Jewish people that would rise up. And, and in one instance, this, this um, group of Jews called the Essenes, they, 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 they tried to revolt against the Roman Empire. And, and they had 2,000 men killed and hung on crosses all right, to show, like, hey, this is what happens to those that resist. And so um, there was just crosses literally the countryside of Galilee is where, they, where it happened and took place. So Jesus was growing up as a little boy. He probably saw those crosses everywhere of these people who said, we're going to resist. In fact, one of the guys rose up and said, I'm the Messiah, and he tried to bring the, bring, bring a, get a following to try to overrun the, the, the Romans, and they, they were killed. And so in the middle of this, Jesus was born into this nation that was under severe um, oppression, and I would even say depression. Uh, you know, as Americans, one of the things that we as a church want to do is we want to challenge the status quo. We want to challenge what's average, uh, because for the most part, average doesn't work, and the status quo doesn't work. And God invites us into something better and bigger than that. And he's saying, would you join me in this story that I'm, that's, being, that's being told and being unfolded in front of us all the time? See, in America, um, depression is one of uh, the, the, the leading causes for mental health issues, all right? They, they, they believe that one in ten people in America struggle with depression. Um, it's the second number killer of young people. Uh, I mean, suicide is the second, is the second uh, largest killer of young people, which comes from depression. Um, it's the drug industry with depression is so they make so much money off it. it just it's a huge issue. In fact, I heard that um, in, in our country, every 20 minutes somebody will take their life because of suicide. Every three minutes somebody will attempt it, um, which is really sad. That just there's people um, and and 
That number, one out of ten, well, in this room, that means there's a few people in there that might even be struggling with some depression. And in the middle of, of darkness, in the middle of um, what is really difficult, God, he sends his son, and he's born in the middle of this. And, and we talked about this last week. If you've missed last week, I encourage you to get a CD or go to listen to the message. It talks about having peace and where that starts. See, the people of Israel, what I didn't say is the people of Israel were waiting for a Messiah because they had been prophesied years before, hundreds of years, saying there's going to be a, a man who's going to be born. He's going to lead the people of Israel. He's going to become king forever. And they were expecting the Messiah, a, a king, to rise up within them to be able to let them rule and reign. The only problem was this. They were, they were looking for a physical kingdom where God was bringing a spiritual kingdom. He was bringing a kingdom that it affects the, the physical, but it, it starts in the spiritual. to the unseen kingdom where he says the kingdom of God is like this. And he would tell these stories about how the kingdom of God is different um, than what they've been thinking. But the people didn't understand. All they, all they knew was, is we hate this Roman government that is over us and oppressing us. We need to get out of them. Are you the king? We'll follow you if you're the king because we want to get rid of the Romans because we know you all have power and you can destroy them. But see, they were wanting Jesus to rescue them from the Romans, where Jesus and God were wanting to rescue them um, within, within the situation they found themselves. See, there's, there's a big difference from being rescued from, uh, from something and being rescued through something and in some, within something. And, and here's what I mean. They were, wanting, they were wanting Jesus to show up and just give them everything and make everything good and, and, and have a kingdom that never ends. The, the scriptures talk about Jesus he would create. But they were thinking it was going to be here on earth right away. It was going to be. And Jesus is saying, no, this is a different kingdom. In fact, this, this life is a test to see who's going to be part of that kingdom. And he's saying, oh, my kingdom's different. And he, he invited them to follow his lead. And they were wanting everything to be fixed and perfect. And God is saying, no, in the middle of even what's really bad, I can bring something that's called peace. And in the middle of that, I can bring joy. In fact, in Luke 2, Luke writes this. Um, I'm going to read it from the, from the message translation, which is great. Um, Luke, Luke is a doctor and who started following Christ after the death of Christ. So he found Christ so intriguing that he said, I want to, and I want to follow this, follow, follow this, this man who, who claims to be God. And so Luke, as a doctor, begins to write these. He wrote a couple of the books in the New Testament in Luke and Acts. And he's, he's writing and, and doing the historical research of saying, all right. And, and what's interesting in Luke 2 is he starts off by, by, by placing his, his story in, in history. He said, in those days, Caesar Augustus. And we know who Caesar Augustus was in the history books. You can find it. He's saying, in those days, so you know what's taking place, what's happening. He's giving us some, some backstory of saying, hey, in those days when Caesar Augustus was king, uh, with Caesar over Rome, he issued a decree, a census that should be taken over the entire Roman world. So they were trying to gather and figure out who, who all the subjects were, so they are trying to do all this. And so he's saying, in, in this day is when something happened. And he begins to tell this story. And he says um, that, that, that Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary, they went to Galilee, to, have, to Bethlehem, to have a baby. And I'm going to read from the message, if you go out for me. Luke 2, this is found in verse 8. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had, set, they had set night watch over their sheep. And suddenly God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. And this is what they said. Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and master. He said, I'm here to announce a grateful and, a, and a, a great announcement. I'm here to, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. Everybody say great joy. 
great joy. It wasn't like just, hey, I have some good news for you. It's like, I have the news that's going to be great joy for who? Everyone, all peoples of the world. All right? And he goes on to say, next one. And then this is what uh, you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. And at once, angels joined in with a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. And this is what the angels sang. They said, Glory to God in the highest, in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. So the angels, they bring good news. And Luke is saying, all right. So I did my research. I talked to Jesus' mother. Her name is Mary. I talked to the disciples. I got all these stories. I started writing about it. What's great is, is um, there's, there's four writers in the New Testament, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote the, the story, Jesus' story, essentially a, a, a bibliography of Jesus' life and, and of him. And they wrote these stories. And as you read these four Gospels, see, Gospels mean good news, all right? And they're saying, we, we're going to write something, and our story is going to be called good news. It's a story that is good news. And he writes this. Luke, as a physician, says, all right, these are the things. You can, you can look. You can research. In fact, in one, of the, in one of the places he writes, he says, you should ask these people. They witnessed it. Jesus rose from the dead. There was 500 people that he came back and he spoke to. And when he's writing this, he's saying, essentially, why don't you go ask them? They're still alive. Now, they're not alive for us, but at the time, they were alive. And they could have checked the facts. They could have done all that to see what, if it was true. And so these different writers are writing this story about the birth of Jesus, which is, is, is amazing how God chose to pick his son to be born. They call us the incarnation. It's, it's God as, as, as all-powerful, mighty being saying, I'm going to come in weakness as a little baby. I'm going to come in the middle of what people would maybe think is crazy, what would be a really um, insane story, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to bring some good news to people everywhere. Um, I heard a story about um, um, this, this man who's walking his son through a field. And as they're walking, he kicked this ant pile. And his son notices, hey, Dad, these ants are going crazy. You, you just messed up their home. And he's like, oh, man, they're, they're, I wish I could just tell them, like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess up everything. And, you know, it, it, it's okay. They can, they, can, they can calm down. It's okay. I'm not here to hurt them and whatever. And his son says, Dad, you know, the only way you'd be able to do that is if you became an ant. And he said he found that so powerful, like, the idea that, Man, as, as a human, can I go down as a little ant and be able to tell him everything's going to be okay? But this is exactly what God did. In the middle of our chaos, in the middle of the craziness, he came down and says, hey, I'm going to give you a better way. I'm going to show you. I'm going to put on skin and bones, and I'm going to live like you, and I'm going to face the same things you face. And what's awesome about this is, in fact, one of the writers says that Jesus, he goes to the Father on our behalf and says, no, Dad, I understand what they're going through. Being, it can be pretty tough being a human. There's some challenges there. And he can relate to us. He understands our pain. He understands our, our hurt. He understands life. And in the middle of it, he says, I've come to give you a better way. I've come to show you a better way. See, we said this, that if you know God, you're going to know peace. But if there is no God in your life, there will be no peace. Well, you can take that a step further and you could say, if you know peace, then you're going to know joy. And that's what we're talking about today is joy. If you know peace and you have peace because you know God, you're going to have joy. But if you have no peace in your life, I, I promise joy is going to be hard to find because it affects, um, peace affects the joy in our lives. Uh, this is how Eugene Peterson, he's a, he's a, a pastor, an author, uh, just a theologian, incredible guy. This is how he defined joy. I love how he defined joy. He says this, he says, joy is life in excess. Joy is life 
in Exodus, which is awesome idea and picture, all right? So when we are joyful and we're full of joy, it's because we have so much life inside of us. What did Jesus say to the disciples in teaching? He says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. What is he saying? I have this way of living that's going to bring you so much joy in your life. It's going to be good for you. So if joy is, is having so much life and access spilling over, that just means we have a lot of life in us. Well, it has to start with peace, but it leads to joy. You know, when you go to the store, especially this time of the year, have you guys gone shopping yet? You know, in the busy time? There are a lot of people. The lines are long. Um, some people are really upset. I was talking to Andre, our, the child, our, our um, uh, generations pastor, and he was saying that um, he, was, he was in line and it was taking a long time and the person in front of him uh, got mad at the cashier and just chewed him out and he, um, he, he started singing and got in trouble for singing. Anyways, it was just a really bad thing. And he's like, don't you know it's Christmas? And he's like trying to help people like see the joy and it made it a little worse. But in the middle of, in the middle of this, this time, this season of um, really what should be joy, right? We have some vacation time. Our kids are on, are on break. Um, we're going to have family coming to town. We're going to be giving gifts, receiving gifts. There should be this part of us where we're saying, man, this is a great time of the year. I think there's a song that says it's the most something time of the year, right? It should be. And, and in the middle of it, it can be. But the reason a lot of times it's not is because we have no peace in the middle of what we're facing. We get to the store and maybe we're rushed, so there's no peace. So then there's no joy to spill out. Well, why don't you have some peace when you get to the store? We talked about this. Create some margin. Get there early. You're going to work. Get there early so you're not stressed and rushing, rushing around. Create, create place in your life where you can have that peace. And in, in turn, what's going to happen is you're going to have joy in your life that's going to spill out. How many of you guys like to be around grumpy people? Me either. Yeah, I saw two hands. All right. You guys are probably the grumpy people and don't realize it. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody likes to be around grumpy people. Why? Because that is not joy coming out. That's all other kinds of stuff coming out. Right? Next week, we're going we're gonna to be talking about um, a discipline that Jesus calls us into. And we're going to be talking about that. What's on the inside? And when it comes out, how can we manage this and gauge this and, and help? Next week's going to be good. But what's on the inside is going to come out. And so Eugene Peterson saying joy is life and excess is saying, he's saying when joy is coming out of you, that means there is joy inside of you. Whatever's on the inside will eventually come out. Anger, if it's there, it's going to come out. When you're standing in line, when somebody's taking a long time, it's going to come out because it's in there. But when you have peace, when you have a right relationship with God, when you have a right relationship with people, man, you're, you're, you're free not to be angry and you're free not to be upset because life is okay and it's good. There's peace. And then out of that peace, we can find joy. See, when, when an angel, angel announced to the shepherds, he found these, these, these working guys out in the field and said, hey, I'm coming to announce to you something is taking place that's going to change the world. It's going to change the world. In fact, when we write our date, we talk about Jesus when we write the date. When he mentioned Caesar, you know, Caesar Augustus is mentioned every Christmas, millions of times around the world, more than the history books, but in reference to who? To Jesus. The date we write is in reference to Jesus, the time he lived. See, our history is broken in half. When Jesus was born, time started again. Right? We started counting different. So in, in, in our relationship to that, he's, he's there, he's all around. He's saying, I want to invite you into this relationship where you can have peace and you can have joy. Um, would you go to the next slide for me? Philippians. 
Paul writes this, this um, scripture. And let me just tell you a little about Paul. So Paul uh, was a very religious leader in his day, and he hated Christians. He lo- tried to lock them up, tried to kill them, um, tried to have them silenced. All right? And so he was a very devout a Jewish a leader. And he was just, he was, he was trying to fulfill God's, you know, the old covenant and trying to, the Old Testament, all the, all the scriptures. And he was doing this. In the middle of it, he had this encounter with God. It says, Paul, um, his name was Saul and God changed his name to Paul. He says, why are you, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting my people? And it, he has this encounter where he realizes, wow, this is, this, the people I'm chasing down is actually God's people. Like, I thought we were God's people and, and they are God's people. He says, but we're missing here, something here. And he takes him on this journey for three years and, and begins to introduce him to Jesus and, and the way of Jesus. Paul eventually switches teams, all right? He stops persecuting Christians and begins to plant churches all around the world and begins to tell people about the goodness of God and, and the good news that Jesus came as a little baby, died on a cross, so we can have a relationship with God. And we can have life that is full of, of joy and of peace. And he wrote most of the New Testament. And as he starts writing these, 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 um, these books to the different churches, he gets to this one book called Philippians. And Philippians is his happiest book. All right? So it's a pretty happy book. Out of all his books, they're pretty nice and pretty, pretty good. But this is his happiest book. You want to know where he wrote it? In prison. Now, we think prison, you know, I think our mind of prison is not, it's still not a good image. But the prison he wrote it in was not the prison we would be thinking of. All right? He was in prison in very horrible um, circumstances. Very, very horrible place. And in the middle of this, he writes and pens some of these things about joy and about peace and about love and about God. Why? Well, he was, he was locked up unfairly. He was beaten to an inch of his life multiple times. He was shipwrecked. In the middle of this harsh uh, uh, life that, that he inherited after he followed, started following Christ, how could he write such happy verses? Because he knew something that Jesus knew. That what we go through now is temporary. But what we will face one day will be forever. It will be eternal. And so he understood, my, my temporary pain is only for a season. But if I, can, if I can work through this, if I can find God in the middle of it, there's going to be something on the other side waiting for me that's going to bring so much joy and so much celebration. And so he had joy in the middle of prison. What you're going through, and you will, there'll be seasons that we go through. This. I go through stuff. There'll be seasons where we have just dark days and we really may be sad and depressed. Maybe we're struggling financially, but we don't have a, maybe, maybe employment is hard to come by. There'll be those seasons and see, the people of Israel faced those things. And they were saying, God, rescue me and save me so that I can have all the things I want. And they were wanting what we want, comfort, and life to be perfect. But God was saying, no, if I give you perf- perfection and if I give you comfort, it's not going to actually help you all that much. It'll actually hurt you. What I want to help you with is to see that in the middle of whatever you're going through, there's something good. I'll get to what Paul wrote in a second. I heard a story about a man who... He was going through a hard time. He lost his job and he was struggling financially. And his, his daughter needed shoes. And he just, felt, he just felt horrible. He's like, I don't have money for my, my daughter's shoes. And I don't know what to do. Well, he began to look through the newspaper and in the little um, section where, where people like, uh, are giving things away. He found this, this family that was giving away shoes. And so he says, well, they're a little bigger than my daughter's size, but I'm sure she can grow into them. We really need help. So he goes, he finds the address and he goes to this house. As he's driving to this house, 
he gets up to this big gate and it's this mansion. It's massive. And he starts getting flailed even more down. I'm like, man, look at these people have everything. And I, I wish I had that. And he starts comparing, which is never a good thing when you start comparing. And in the middle of this, he just felt even more depressed. He almost turned away and left because he just thought, man, I, I just can't do this. Well, he pushed through it. He went in. He knocked on the door and says, hey, I saw your, your, your um, um, offer to give away shoes. And um, do you still have them? And he says, yes, we do. Come on in. We'll give you some shoes. They take him to this, 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 in this the room, this big box of just shoes, very nice shoes, expensive shoes. And he looks at them. He's like, wow, these are, these are really nice. Like, these are great. And he says, well, we're giving them away. If you want them, you can take them all. If your daughter will use them, take them. And, and, he, and, and he, 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 he was overwhelmed. He's thinking, man, this is, you just have money just to give away shoes. It must be nice. And he says, well, can I ask you a question? Why are you giving away your shoes? And he says, well, you see, our daughter was in a car accident recently. And she lost both of her legs. So there's no need for shoes. And the man begins just to cry. And he says, here I am, mad at God because I can't give my daughter shoes and she has feet. And these people's daughter just lost their feet. And he had a mind, a change in his mind that says, it's all about how we see things sometimes. Things can be a lot worse. See, Paul had the right perspective. In the middle of the hardest, in the, the most difficult seasons of life, he was saying, God, I know you're going to do something through this. In fact, he would say, in these chains, people are going to find God. And I'm happy to wear these chains because people will find God. If you've ever read his words, he's writing to you from prison saying, hey, one day you're going to face something really hard. But I understand. I did too. Jesus, he can talk with authority saying, you know what? I know what you're going through because I lived as a human. I know. Man, I was hungry. I was tired. I was, he was probably frustrated. In fact, he was frustrated. At one point, he was so angry at the religious peoples, he, he, he helped them teach him a lesson, saying, hey, you guys got to learn that God has something better for you. This is what he wrote. In Philippians 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Be full of joy. Be full of this delight. That's that there's something inside coming out. There's life that's spilling out. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he repeats it. I will say it again. Rejoice. Remember, he's in prison. He's saying, hey, guys... Man, be happy, be content. Have joy. Have peace. Let your gentleness be evident to all. He's saying, let, let the life inside of you spill out on other people. Let people see it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and says, hey, and here's how you have the right perspective. He says, focus on these things. Focus on what is true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. That's a big statement. He's saying in the middle of prison, I can have joy and I can have peace. Why? Because the, ten, the, the, the suffering and the struggle that he was going through was temporary. This week, you might have a struggle. Can you just breathe and calm down and say, you know what, this is temporary. It's temporary. Maybe it's financial. You're having a little difficulty. It's temporary. Work through it. Trust God. Invite him into that. Find ways to be generous and, and to help others with your time and, and say, I'm gonna, in the middle of this, I'm not going to focus on the wrong thing. It's temporary. Put it in practice and the God of peace will be with you. So as you practice these things, as you focus on the right things, the God of peace is going to be with you. It's going to be joy in your life spilling out. 
See, when he says rejoice, and he's talking about this, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that Paul would have known and all the disciples would have known about this man named Nehemiah who goes and does this amazing thing by building this wall around the city, the city of uh, Jerusalem. And, and as they build a city, they, they do something amazing. It's a miracle. In 52 days, they accomplish this great task. And after they accomplish it, they have this big party and celebration. And he says, let's celebrate. And he says a statement, like he says this in Nehemiah, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you're weak, you want to know what's going to give you strength? Joy. We have a team that shows up in the mornings, Sunday mornings, to help set up the lights and the equipment and all the, the nursery and all the kids, the G-Kids. When we come, you know what the greatest thing to hear at 7.30, 7 in the morning is? Laughing and joking. Why? Because there's strength and joy. There's something about having fun while you do things, letting life spill out of us while we work. It's good. If we're all quiet and we're all grumpy and mad at 7.30 and we haven't got our coffee... It is not fun to set up. You're like, this is just work. But when Jordan, our worship leader, she gets here and she's laughing, her sister and some of the, the team starts joking and laughing around, man, our work is fun. It's light. It begins to be fun. It's not a lot of work. It's just, it's a joy. Why? Because it's life in excess that spills out. What would it look like this week and then even this next year if you're new to following Christ? Man, I want to just encourage you. Invite Him to fill you up. Invite Him to give you life. What would 2015 look like if we walked every single day realizing, hey, what's spilling out of me? What's coming out right now? Is it life? Is it joy? Do people want to be around me or are people resisting me? My kids, when I am full of life, they want to be around me. When I'm grumpy, they don't want to be around me. When I'm full of life and I have joy and I have peace in my life, my wife and I have a great relationship. But when I'm grumpy and full of other stuff, man, it is not fun. Right? Here's the thing. It's a choice. Paul is telling us here, it's a choice. In the middle of the darkest moment in your life, it's still a choice. Whatever's going on, God says, I've been there. I've had other people have been in worse situations with you and they've got through it. You think your situation's bad? There's others that have gone through worse. Would you trust me? And that's Jesus' message, which is amazing. It's so amazing because he's saying, in the middle of whatever you're facing, I have something for you. You could be in the worst situation and you can have peace and you can smile. How do I know? Paul did. Jesus did. The disciples did. In fact, that all the disciples, they, were, they willingly gave their life at the hands of those who said, denounce Christ, he's not the king, of, he's, not, he's not God, he's not Lord. And they said, we can't. Some of them were, were cut in two. Some of them had thrown in boiling oil. Some of them were hung on crosses and beaten and stoned. Why? Because in the middle of this, they understood our temporary suffering and our temporary challenges are just that, temporary. In the middle of it, Jesus says, I want to give you life. All right, whatever you're going through, don't focus on the, on the things that are going to sideline you and stop you. Begin to find things that are good. All right, so yeah, you don't have money for shoes, but your daughter still has feet. Alright, so you don't have enough money for gifts. But your daughter, she still loves you. Or your son still loves you. Or your wife, she's going to understand. Right? And in the middle of this, he invites us to let joy spill out of us. What would it look like this week, today, when you go to a restaurant, and you had life coming out of you? What would it look like? 
Because I can guarantee you, people need it. I went to the store last night. There were a lot of grumpy people at the store. They need joy. They need somebody to say, hey, good job. Cashier, you're doing a great job. I'm not in a rush. You know, I, they might be in a rush, but we could take a second here and just talk. And you know, I'm not going to make them mad, but you know, it's, you're doing a good job. Bring some peace to somebody. Bring some joy. In the middle of this, he's inviting us to bring joy to him. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul speaks of joy and peace next to each other. He's saying the God of peace, have joy in the God of peace. Why? Because one flows out of the other. If you don't have peace, you're not going to have joy. And if you don't know God, you're not going to have that peace that comes with that. And you're not going to have the joy that's going to last. See, joy is this strong emotion, this... this um, this something deep within us that's looking for some, an object for it to find and say, I want, I want, I need to have joy around something. And we try to fill it with all kinds of stuff. Drugs, alcohol, sex. And those things satisfy for a second, but they're never long term. And God is saying, I made you for something. Something deeper. For, you're a relational creature and being. That's why I give you communication skills so you can interact with people. Loneliness. Have you ever been lonely? Everybody in this room has felt that, that emotion of, of being alone. Even in the house with somebody, you can feel lonely. What does that say? It says that we were made for relationship. And in that relationship, we begin to find real joy and peace. And I will tell you, God is the greatest object that you can focus your life on that will bring the most joy in your life. Why? Because He made everything. He created us to function and live a certain way. And when we do, we have more peace. It means when I'm at a store and the person is being rude to me, I don't take it personal because I'm not the center of the world. God is. And I'm just his representative. And when somebody can't give me what I need, I don't take it personal and get hurt with them because I realize I'm not the center of the world. I'm just another person here. And we begin to understand that hurting people, they hurt people. And people with hurts are going to continue on walking in those hurts. So what's the answer? To get mad and upset with them? Or to break the mold and say, you know what? I'm going to let life spill out of me. I'm going to let life come out of me. This week, when you get shaken and you get stirred, what, what comes out? Let life come out. When your wife asks you something and you really don't want to do it and you're up, you just got home from work and she says, hey, can you help with the trash? Instead of being like, oh, I always have to do the trash. Take a breath and say, you know what? I can do the trash. And pause and let life come out if you don't let any other thing. Right? It's a choice that we make. Paul in the prison is saying, hey, I have answers. I have help for you. The people of Israel were looking to Jesus saying, rescue us, make everything perfect. And he was saying, I have something even better. In the middle of what you face, I can give you joy. I can give you peace. I can give you the right perspective. In fact, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus went to the cross and he considered it joy to suffer on our behalf. He considered it joy walking this earth because he knew he was creating something for eternity. And God invites us to begin to join him in that. So today, I want to give an opportunity. If you are here and you maybe don't have peace, you don't have joy, you don't have a lot of life coming out of you, I want to invite you and introduce you to a relationship with God and that's where it starts, the first step. See, there's this idea in the scriptures that, that's called repentance. And all it means is to turn or to return. 
Okay, so the idea is you're walking this direction where you don't have peace, you don't have joy, you're doing your own thing, and God is saying, no, would you turn or would you return to the way I created you? And you make this turn in your life and you say, all right, I'll follow your way, God. And you begin to take steps in his direction towards him. That's when we find peace, when we turn from our things that we try to satisfy our lives with so much and we say, God, I'm going to trust you for this. I'm not going to fight my own for my own rights all the time here. I'm going to trust you to do what you need to do in my life. I'm not going to try to find fulfillment through these things that only bring more emptiness. I'm going to turn and trust you. So if you're, if you're here today and you don't have peace, you don't have joy, you're just looking for answers, can I tell you, Jesus came as a little baby. That's why we celebrate Christmas. God of the universe came down like one of us, to live and then to die for us, to give us a better way, to model for us, to show us, so that we can have life spilling out and we can have help life be enjoyable for others. Let life spill out. For you, if you're here, do me a favor, would you close, would everybody just close your eyes and let's just take a moment just to maybe let people that are needing to pray just... Um, be able to search for a second. If you're here today and you, maybe you've, you've known God and you walked away from Him and you want to just return to Him and you want to turn back to His way, um, let me give you a second to pray, lead you in a prayer. If you're here and you maybe don't have peace or joy and you, you would like that, maybe you've never ever, ever chose to follow Christ before and today He's inviting you, saying, hey, today would you Follow my lead. See, scriptures say that salvation comes from us when we're repentant of of the things we've done, the sin that we've caused, the hurt, the choices we've made. When we confess that and we acknowledge that Christ died on that cross for our sins, that that there's salvation there. And that there's a new life that starts. That when we turn to Him, it's like we're, we're starting over. If you're here today and you need a new start, and you'd like to accept Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as God, would you just raise your hand? Maybe you've left Him and you want to come back. Maybe you've been looking in the wrong places. Would you raise your hand? I wanted to lead you in prayer. Awesome. Is there anybody else? Awesome. I want to lead you in prayer. For those that raised your hand, would you just pray with me? The rest of us, would you just join in the prayer? Say, Father... I need you. I turn my life over to you. Would you help me? I acknowledge that I have done wrong, that I've sinned, that I've broken your heart. Forgive me. Help me to follow you. I believe that you're alive and that you have good plans for my life. Help me to follow you. Would you bring peace to me? Let my life be full of joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.